We tend to talk about racism in general terms, not about how we experience it specifically. Maybe because that would implicate people around us. Do you find it so hard? It almost feels like an unspoken rule. When you know in your heart. So what happens when people break that seeming rule? You're letting me down every day. That's what a group of high schoolers did in this video. It's shot in black and white. One by one, they take a seat behind a table, stare into the camera, and just talk. I was in a class, and then we're talking about how slaves were being raped. The white student in the back of the class stood up and said, slaves can't be raped because they were property. My first period teacher... It's stuff that they've seen in school. Someone using the N-word. A white teacher complimenting minority kids on taking an honors class. Another white teacher asking whether a Latina student is legal. Some people could tell which teachers they were talking about, even though the kids in the video didn't use names. And there was a backlash. When the video came out in November 2017, everyone in my newsroom was talking about it. I work at PRI's The World in Boston, and the kids in the video are students at Cambridge, Ringe, and Latin, the only public high school across the river in Cambridge where many of my colleagues live. And the video put Cambridge in a weird spot. It's supposed to be a really liberal, tolerant community. We're talking about a place known as an intellectual hub. It's the home of MIT and Harvard. But the backlash to the video showed there was another side to Cambridge, one that's rarely publicly explored, and one that shatters the stereotypes. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. First, though, it's important to say that I never would have been able to do this story without the cooperation of Cambridge Public Schools. They allowed me access when other districts across the country dealing with similar issues wouldn't. I asked the superintendent, Kenneth Salim, why he was taking the risk. And he spoke to me about the power of being vulnerable, not defensive, because he says that's the only way to learn how to teach the same skills to kids. We know that as we see the dynamics and the divisiveness that exists across the country, that it's not just a nice-to-have soft skill. It's, it's what's going to be critical for our kids to be successful in life. I'm Rupa Shanoi, and this is Otherhood. This was supposed to be a year of triumph for Juliette Lofleury. She grew up living half of the year in Haiti and the other half in Cambridge. Four years ago, when she came to Cambridge Ringe in Latin, she was miserable. For me, freshman year was really like a lot of proving myself. Ringe is a cluster of cement buildings next to the Harvard campus. This is where Matt Damon and Ben Affleck went to school. So did the two brothers who carried out the Boston Marathon bombings. It's fairly big, about 2,000 kids in the whole place, and super diverse, both racially and economically. But when Lofleury looked in the classes, she saw mostly brown and black students in the lower levels and mostly white students in the higher levels. It's like the kids who are taking like the college-level classes, the APs, the high honors, and then it's just like for lack of a better word, it just feels like where do we store the black and brown kids that we don't know what to do with is what a lot of the other classes feel like. The teachers were mostly white, and they just didn't seem to get Lowflurry. 
She felt like she had to work extra hard to show she was smart. By senior year, though, Lofleury had established herself. She got great grades, was on student government, and was well-known around school. Adults listened to her and treated her with respect. Like, I'm not the kid who will get stopped in the hallway, asked where they're going. If I'm walking around for like an hour, I won't get stopped once. But there are kids who have that every day. It'll be like, okay, you might be going to the bathroom, you have a pass, but you are asked for it. Lofleury and other kids who were frustrated by the way different people were treated differently wanted a place to talk about that and maybe do something about it. Lofleury's half Chinese, half Haitian, and a third of Ringe students are black. So they asked the school's new star teacher, Kevin Dua, to restart the defunct Black Student Union. And I want to mention right here that I talked to several BSU members, but I wanted you to be able to get to know one of them well, so I'm focusing on Lofleury. Back to Kevin Dua. He had just won a state award for History Teacher of the Year at his last job one town over in Somerville. So, like, he came in with everyone being like, wow, we got Dua from Somerville, like, the Mr. Dua from Somerville. And that added to the excitement around the new BSU. Dua was known for doing these short videos, and his first with the Black Student Union was a response to the debate over NFL players like Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality. President Trump had criticized Kaepernick as unpatriotic. The Black Student Union's video showed a classroom of students simply standing for a song that's often called the Black National Anthem. People loved it. Yeah, I mean, after the first video, everyone was happy. It was like, oh, look, we have all this support. They felt empowered and respected. So they decided to talk about something they'd been trying to tell people for a long time, that they were seeing things happening in classes that really bothered them. But when they brought that up individually, their concerns seemed to be dismissed. There's power in numbers, and we've been told that since we were kindergartners. You can't label one kid as angry when there are so many more kids there to be like, no, like this is our experience. On the whiteboard in Dua's classroom, they each wrote a short description of something they'd seen or experienced in school that had bothered them. And it was just filled over and over again, all of the different microaggressive things that were said to kids, like people being like, oh, congratulations for being in this honors class, to like, you're an animal. Like, it was just like so much pain in one place. I was in a and that's what became the video they called Minority Reports. One day people came to my class to present about Black History Month, and there was a debate about whether there should be a white history month. When it was done, it felt raw and powerful and true, and they didn't want anyone to change it. Dua had put the video up on YouTube so they could see it, and they started sharing it, even though the principal had seen it and asked to meet with them and discuss changes before it was released. Did you want us to, like, send it in and be like, okay, end it the way you want to end it, put a positive spin on it? It was like, we don't want a positive spin because that's not how we feel. That would be corrupting the power of our message, really. The video spread quickly. And I was mad. Principal Damon Smith says he only would have taken out a few words that indirectly identified teachers, the names of their departments, science, French, drama, 
I was mad because I knew that those identifying characteristics were going to be barriers for folks to get the message about the experience of these African-American students in our school. And he thinks that's what happened. Smith says he got complaints immediately. How can the school let this happen? It's slander. It's a number of things, right? Students being empowered too much, students not having the proper level of respect. How are you supporting this? If the students are putting this out, you must have supported it. Some of those teachers who were quote-unquote identified didn't have the opportunity to kind of say, well, here's, here's my take on what happened. And so we have people who were like, see that? How could they malign this person, this person who does A, B, and C, right? And that didn't bring them to the table. It put Smith in a really tough spot. He understood what the students were trying to do. Smith's black, grew up in Brooklyn, and he sees the same problems they do with the academic system. I did come through that system. And so it's possible, I think, for individuals to use the system and become successful. But by and large, when you look at whole numbers, you see that there's a big disconnect. I'm always aware of that perspective and position because it's my experience, it's what I've lived. But I also represent an institution in a school that has more than just black males in it, right? I have a school that I have to be pay attention to what's the experience for all students across all backgrounds and areas. So Smith tried to strike a balance. He sent an email out to everyone saying the administration didn't approve the video's distribution and it didn't agree with parts of the video that implicated specific staff members. And that was sent out at 2.25. I met with the BSU at 2.45. When I walked into that meeting, it was, it was, not, it was a tough meeting. Smith wanted to know how to turn this into a learning opportunity. Is the goal just to put it out there and be like, yo, ha and we, and we bounce? Or is the goal here to have some learning? Because if you want learning, then you must think about the people at the other side of the table. And the response I got was, I don't know. That's your responsibility. It's not our, and I was like, oh, okay. In that moment, I probably wasn't as articulate as I could have been about saying, and I get the fact that they should not be burdened after having had this experience with the responsibility of fixing it. But you have a place at the table to help us determine next steps because you don't want to leave it to people to design something and say, oh, it's all solved now. You go ahead and do your own thing. We got it covered. And so that that was that meeting. Like it was, it was just raw, right? Everybody was, I was angry. They were angry. It was that kind of quiet where you know people are like, like people are not saying what they really want to say because we're trying to be respectful. I wasn't able to talk to any of the teachers offended by the video. I tried, and the district tried repeatedly on my behalf. So I got as close as I could by talking to the union president, Dan Monahan, who's white. It's not as extreme as I will describe it here, so I don't know the best way to sort of say it carefully, but there's a culture of fear at the high school that teachers will be punished for doing things that they didn't intentionally do. A number of educators also feel that students have incredible power at the high school and that they're worried by that. So teachers feel powerless. I've been strong for so long that I'm blind. If teachers felt powerless, BSU students felt silenced. This is their next video. They just stand there looking at the camera. Juliette Lofleury says they were silent because they felt silenced. At the end, one student draws a scoreboard, 
and puts a point under a column labeled racism and a zero under a column for Cambridge Ringe and Latin. The response to telling your truth should never be fear of retaliation. And that's what it felt like to the BSU kids. Lofleury says some kids got treated differently by teachers, harshly. Some people questioned the facts of their stories and asked if they were sure they'd interpreted the situation correctly. Other people thought it was all Dua's idea. We've gotten a lot of like, is this Kevin? Is this Mr. Dua? Like, is Mr. Dua brainwashing these children? It's like, no, this was all here before. It's not Kevin as much as it's having a black male teacher. The BSU students were dejected by the response. But more than that, they were terrified they were going to lose Dua because he seemed to be taking a lot of heat for what they'd done. We have all been like, let's see how long it takes the Cambridge Public School District to break him. So it was just one of those things where we were like, okay, like, we're worried for you. And we hope that you don't end up having to leave because of us. To understand why the possibility of losing Dua scared them so much, you have to go back a year to the story of another black teacher at Ringe, Kim Parker. Elliot, what are you doing? Hi. Say hello. I visited her at home, and it was supposed to be past her three-year-old's bedtime, but he had other ideas. Parker is a PhD who was raised by her grandparents in Kentucky. In 2016, she was in her fifth year teaching at Ringe. That year, the principal had consultants come in to do cultural sensitivity training with faculty. They'd sit in small groups and talk about stereotypes and racism, things like that. In those sessions, you, I just remember white colleagues saying all of, the, all of the stereotypical things you can imagine. And that's okay if they're moving, right, if they're making progress. Everyone's on their own cultural competence journey. But I think to sit and have to witness that That was just awful. Especially because some of the comments were about kids of color that Parker knew and cared about as one of the few teachers of color. I think we see kids, particularly kids of color, in ways that maybe other people don't see them. I'm willing to see the potential in you, and I'm willing to push you, and I'm willing to, like, get it out of you through all the blood, sweat, and tears, both yours and mine. Um, until it happens. And I just, I loved my kids. I loved them, even on the worst days, right? I loved them. And I just don't think enough people love them. Some of the kids she loved were coming to her to talk about other teachers. They would come in, they would tell me stories, they would say, this teacher did this or this teacher did that, can you say something? And we would process that, um, both as their feelings as a young person of color, but also as like, well, what are you going to do about it? Things came to a head when two young black students were assigned to one of Parker's lower-level English classes. And these two young women were off the charts. Brilliant readers, brilliant writers. So she asked them, within a day or two, why are you here? Why aren't you in an honors class? And the students said their previous teachers, who were white, hadn't recommended them for honors. Parker asked the administration to investigate, and administrators didn't find evidence of discrimination. I just, I was concerned that this was not the first time that I'd heard this story, particularly about particular teachers, and that I thought that that was a pattern. And what happened was they closed the investigation and they told those teachers, and then those teachers went to my department head and also to the principal and sort of demanded that I apologize. And I didn't because 
the kid I believe the kids and those kids are incredible and if they were white they would have been in an honors class I just know it and Parker felt like what was happening to her students was also happening to her in her own job performance reviews she says white evaluators rated her poorly for things like using unconventional methods, like having students analyze rap lyrics to learn more about poetry. She and other teachers of color, mostly women, formed a group and sent a letter to the administration telling them they had to do more to make Ringe a place where teachers of color would want to work. And they went all the way to the top, just showed up one night at a school committee meeting to speak during public comment. Good evening, school committee. My name is Kim Parker. I um, currently teach college prep classes at Cambridge Ridge and Latin. It was May 2016. This year, I have been scolded by my evaluator for raising questions about racial inequity, being called, quote, divisive, unquote, and creating low morale. Additionally, that same evaluator told me that it is essentially my job to confront white educators about their racism and racist practices. A failure to do so, by her account, deemed my professional practice as proficient, but not exemplary. So, what happened? Uh, nothing happened. Nothing. <laughs> nothing happened. I think um, I might have gotten called into the office, I'm sure. There was lots of reprimanding. I got reprimanded a lot. A month or so later, she told the district she wouldn't be coming back. Two other women teachers of color left, too. And so it doesn't matter if there's a black principal, there's a black vice principal, if there's a black department head. At Cambridge Ridge and Latin is the most racist place I've ever taught in, largely because people don't want to admit that underserved practices exist. Because I think that that would mean that you would have to make white people uncomfortable. And we just, in my experience and time there, we just never wanted to make white people uncomfortable. Juliette Lofleury was heartbroken at Parker's departure. It instilled fear in her that teachers of color she felt close to and looked up to would leave. Everyone knows that Dr. Parker is a brilliant scholar. And Lofleury had lost Parker, even though she'd done everything she could to explain why it was important to keep people like her. Lofleury had spoken at that same school committee meeting as Parker. And students feel safer knowing that people who look like them and come from the same situations as them are there to support them mm -hmm. and maybe can understand some of the problems I face. And I might not find that in teachers who are from a white upper middle class family. Then she watched her friend Mary Gashaw speak. Many of the teachers and students who spoke that night hadn't realized they'd be limited to the usual three minutes each, so they kept running up against the buzzer. And Gashaw was upset about that. And I'm extremely disappointed today that the teachers of color who came up today to speak had their time cut out three minutes when they spend their entire careers dedicated to making sure that their students feel comfortable and powerful in their education. When they spend their careers trying to make sure that students of color can feel can do what they want to do because the way our schools treat students of color is shitty. I'm going to be real with you. Really is shitty. Excuse me, Mary. I appreciate your comment. That's the mayor who's black. Profanity is not allowed. Um, it is not allowed. I'm sorry, but I'm coming straight from the heart. And, and I, I want you to be from the heart, but I also want you to be respectful. That's the only thing I ask. Thank you. I'm done. Thank you. That night became a lesson for Lo Flory. The thing about Mary is that, like, I was very scared that I would become her. She's like one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter Cambridge. She's like, she's a powerhouse. But 
it got to the point where she was labeled as that angry black woman who's always talking about race and people didn't want to listen to her. And I was really scared that that would become me. The school community didn't really know about Kim Parker and other teachers of color leaving until the website Cambridge Day, the only news outlet that consistently covers Ringe, did a story. The headline read, Teachers of Color Departing Cambridge, Citing Hostile Workplace, Failed Intentions. The author, Jean Cummings, stands by that story. But Principal Damon Smith is still upset about it. He says some of the teachers in the story were just retiring or leaving for other jobs, and Cambridge Day exaggerated the situation. Each of those stories had a unique perspective and quality to it. But what happened when the newspaper was that all those stories became part of one narrative, and it gave a sense of CRLS is a place where teachers of color are unwelcome, can't thrive. I took significant issue with that. He says the story didn't give Ringe credit for everything they'd done to try to make the school a more culturally sensitive place. Three years ago, Smith says he was so eager to get going with cultural sensitivity training that he tried to do it himself. That was a bad idea because even though I, I see this is a part of me being a black male, I was like, oh, I can do this. Uh, not really. So the next year, he brought in consultants that did those sessions that were so hard for Kim Parker. And Smith knows there were problems. Hindsight being 2020, we might have thought about moving with smaller groups. I thought, you know, I can't wait. I want to get everybody through it. And I think that that impacted some people's decisions about, you know, whether or not CRLS is a place that they want to be at. You know, I, I think we own that. So there are some kernels of truth about that. But we're also a school that is confronting the issue and trying to get better at it. That's why the Cambridge Day story was so frustrating. But it had the opposite effect from what Smith expected. That story was what drew Kevin Dua to Ringe. Given some of the dynamics that we had that were reported about our school the previous year, uh, getting a teacher of Kevin's caliber from Somerville in the summertime, enticing him to think about coming to CRLS was a major, I think for us, uh, a major shot in the arm. The Cambridge Day story was shared like crazy. Kevin Dua says a few different people sent it to him. The story is what made him take Cambridge schools up on a job offer. Dua's the son of Ghanaian immigrants, and he thought Ringe was where he could make the most difference. For many individuals who come from immigrant backgrounds, then this idea that whatever opportunities you have, you try to make the most of it to help individuals in a big way. So for me, it was that I do try to make a big impact, not just for selfish personal gains, but genuinely trying to do something in a way that has a ripple effect. And that's what he thought he was doing with the Black Student Union. After the Minority Reports video came out, Dua felt like his job was at risk. It, it was it was nerve-wracking. Whether it was hearing from individuals that my involvement in the building should be scrutinized, should, is unwanted, I'm not a good fit, that I am twisting the arms of these students, that there's no way that this came from them, that I'm being divisive. I think all of that played a role in like instilling this, I don't want to say paranoia, but just the sense of, I would say, sadness. 
Principal Damon Smith is adamant that he wants Dua to stay, but Dua says people still question whether he should be at Wrench. There are individuals who still roll their eyes, um, who still question why I'm here, who still question if I'm too black and loud or not black enough. Not saying that I'm a topic of conversation every single day, but I'm fully aware that that there are many individuals who may have made up their minds about me. The video did get Dua and his students a lot of attention. There are in demand as speakers at schools and at least one nonprofit conference. Hey, how did that thing go? Things still seemed a bit tense, though, when Principal Damon Smith and I crossed paths with Dua in a school stairwell recently. Um, I, I gotta schedule some time to sit with you and, and just catch up. Yeah. <laughs> but Smith says things shouldn't be perfect. We're not gonna grow if we don't have some conflict and some struggle. And it's not gonna be pretty, right? And we can't shy away from that, right? If we, if we could do this work and, and everybody be happy doing it, you gotta question whether or not you're actually doing the work, right? And that's just real life. And young people may have a challenge with figuring out that, look, this struggle existed before you got here, it's gonna be here when you are here, and our job is to push a little bit further for when we're not here. Smith's had to do a lot of work because of the video and the reaction to it. He describes intense one-on-one meetings with staff. There was also one big meeting where teachers wrote down questions and BSU students sat in front answering them. Smith says there's no guidebook for what he's doing, and he doesn't know of a school that's handled issues like this exactly right. I'm trying to make the best decisions in the moment of time that I have, but my compass is towards more equity. The district superintendent says that, too, and he can point to concrete progress. This year, Cambridge Public Schools combined some honors and lower-level classes to try to address the demographic divide in classrooms. They did that over the objections of some white parents who thought that meant the classes would get easier. The district got a nearly $300,000 grant from the Nellie May Foundation to address its opportunity gap. It also hired someone to work on diversity full-time. Ramon de Jesus was drawn to the job after seeing the story in Cambridge Day about Kim Parker and other teachers of color leaving. He's Dominican-American. I saw the article and I said, I'm applying. De Jesus started in October and is working on many of the issues Parker and other educators of color brought to the school committee two years ago. He's rewriting job descriptions, recruiting teachers of color, talking to existing teachers about retention, and training school leaders to be more culturally competent, including in the evaluation process of teachers, which was one of Parker's core concerns. I didn't take our evaluation process, right, and say, like, well, here's how we evaluate teachers, and here, here's where bias exists, right? Um, the assumption is that bias exists. And as for the BSU students' core concern, that they have no way to talk about things that happen in class that feel discriminatory. I asked De Jesus if there's any way to address that. I don't know. I don't know that there's a system in place because what what we're speaking about um, is is culture and climate, right? That's what we're talking about, right? We, we, We can't quantify it, right? However, believe the kids. If the kids say this is happening, their perception and their realities are important. And he says it's part of a teacher's job to think about the implications of their behavior and try to find a remedy. But he's focusing on people who want to do that work. So if 
80% of people are rocking with me. We're going to get this work done. And the 20% who don't willfully want to do it, I'm not focusing energy uh, there to the detriment of the folk who are saying, I want to do this work. But the thing is, those people who don't want to do the work De Jesus is talking about, it seems like they have a disproportionate impact, at least in the case of the BSU video. Because the BSU students say most kids and teachers supported and encouraged them after it came out. The few who disapproved, though, made the biggest impression on them. Freedom, freedom, I can't move. Freedom, cut me loose. Just before I put this episode out, the Black Student Union sent me its latest video. In it, Juliette Loflore and other graduating seniors reflect on this past year and how the backlash reaffirmed their beliefs about racism and progressive liberals in their community. I'ma keep them running cause the winner don't quit on themselves. As Loflore graduates and leaves Cambridge Ringe and Latin behind, she's thinking about how much she was actually able to change. Are we gonna, like, let another, like, six years of these children's, like, educations go by before these people retire like like waiting it out isn't an option here and a lot of these people are older i'm not afraid to say that part of this will self-correct as soon as a couple of people go but in the time before it does are we just going to disregard all those kids who are going to have to experience it until then loflory hasn't talked much with ramon de jesus but she thinks it'll take more than one man to change the district every story needs to have an ending but this is one of those stories that it's so hard to end because I can't even see the situation ending. But Lofleury has to concentrate on herself right now. She's going to Harvard, so she's not going far. But she's not looking forward to proving herself again, like she had to do at Ringe. As a black person, you have to prove yourself before you can get anything done without having that be an assumption that is already there. And I don't want to deal with that again. And I know I'm going to have to deal with it with every new thing that I start in my life. But doesn't mean I look forward to it. The story happened at a specific place and specific time around specific events. But something similar is probably happening lots of places. So my hope is that by shining a light in this corner of the world, it'll illuminate other corners too. And I'm grateful to Cambridge Public Schools and Superintendent Kenneth Salim for making that possible. Let me know what you think. Otherhood's on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter. For now, thanks for listening. I'm Rupa Shanoi, and this has been Otherhood from PRI. Did you?